All right, everyone, we're here to talk about the Yeah, We Know podcast. Well, first off, I want to say belts are just changing hands left and right here. Yeah, we know. If you came through the WWE and wanted to be a big-time deal, you had to go through The Undertaker for, what, about 20 years, Jimmy? Yeah, we know. Jimmy, are they screaming RK-Bro, or are they screaming Randy, Randy, Randy? Yeah, we know. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Show the man his respect. The Yeah, We Know podcast. Find it in this feed. Part of the Morgan Knows Podcasting Network. Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brews. Welcome to the flagship sports podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rod Morgan. I am back with my merry band of cohorts to chop up NFL week number one, including the producer of this podcast, Jimmy Jamriska. Jimmy, hello. Hey, Rod. How are you today? I am excited. We got lots yeah. of different things we want to get to here on the podcast. Let's bring in the two that will be joining us, of course, from North Carolina. He's got Panthers fever, even though they lost to the Browns week one. He still has it. It's Chris King. What is up, guys? Yes, the Carolina Panthers, who apparently have forgotten they have the best offensive talent on their team and only let him touch the ball like 10 or 12 times. That's all right. We'll get to the Panthers just a second when we touch on my Tom Cruise game of the week grade. But, of course, if we're talking the NFL, we have to have somebody who's chopping up the numbers, who's handicapping the games, who is and 3-0 coming off of a perfect week one. But I will admit he sort of patted himself on the back saying that he usually does w- well week one, and that was definitely the case. It's Josh Williams. What's up, boys? Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I, 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 do, I do pretty well in week one. Had a couple other games I liked. Uh, this this week's card is a lot tougher, though. I will uh, preface that going in. But uh, is there a greater feeling than uh, kicking back on the recliner week one Sunday, watching the red zone, all the other games? The, the early games, coming. there was like six of them coming down to the wire. It was fantastic. What a glorious week one it was. It really was. It was fun to get back into the games where you talk yourself into a frenzy with all of these preseason podcasts that you listen to. We did one ourselves. You start looking at all the odds. You start looking at all the ins and outs. And then when the games unfold in front of you, Jimmy, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the NFL and it's all a complete crapshoot and we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. It was a fun day for sure. But, yeah, we have no clue week to week. You know, My son the other day and I, he and I were talking, he goes, Dad, you know what? Six team, 16 teams lose in week one, 16 teams win in week one. And I said, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I like that. Wisdom from Jackson Jim Risker. Good stuff out of here. Of course. Here. Good wisdom from Jackson. All right, Chris, let's go to you. The uh, The other crazy thing that can happen in week one sometimes is your team can lose their quarterback, and your team did. And, Chris, we're going to – every week when we come back after games being played, we're going to all have a takeaway. And I know yours kind of relates to the Cowboys here, so why don't you go ahead and tell us your takeaway from last week. Yeah, uh, my takeaway is that I'm going to have to wait another year for the Cowboys to get to the playoffs. It's pretty simple as that. Uh, you, you when you don't have a good backup like the Dallas Cowboys don't have, this can really derail the season very quick. Happening in the first game, and listen, it wasn't even that great of an offensive performance from Dak to begin with. I mean, it wasn't because he got hurt that we lost. Like he essentially just missed the last drive of the game and. We were only able to muster three points before that. So we're not going to make the playoffs. 
it's a sad, sad day for Cowboys fans. No, I'd say that's a that's a pretty safe bet for you to throw out there. I like your assessment that it wasn't like the Cowboys were lighting the world on fire before he got hurt. The one drive wasn't going to magically score them 30 points. So, I mean, they were going to be in trouble whether he was in there for the end of that game or not. But, Chris, I guess you shouldn't throw the whole season away, though, right? Because you're an you're, you're intrepid owner who is a, the only person you need to go to for Dallas Cowboys information. Forget about all their reporters. Forget about their coach or GM. Just go to Jerry Jones himself. And he says Dak's going to be back real soon. So, I mean, you believe that, right? Let me tell you something that I know, Rod. I know Dak's not going to be back in four weeks. Okay. Is that due to your medical degree, or do you have anything else to give us there? <laughs> it's, it's his right thumb. That is the most important phalange you have as a quarterback. You have to grip. You have to get the spin. You have to have strength in that thumb. He just <laughs> had surgery. I don't care how successful it was. He's not going to be back in four weeks. And if they try to push him back in four weeks, it's not going to be healthy for the entire season. So his throws aren't going to be near as good anyway. All right. Well, I like that. That's definitely uh, – Chris is one of your one things you know is already knocked off in the first couple of minutes. I like that. We're being efficient here. Mr. Williams, let me go to you real quick. Your thoughts on uh, the Dallas Cowboys with uh, Cooper – what is his name? Cooper Rush? Is that the guy, the guy that's now playing quarterback for him? Your thoughts on the Cowboys now, Mr. Williams? Yeah, Cooper Rush. He uh... – I think he won a game last year against the Vikings when he uh, had to come in for, for Dak, so at least there's some hope. Um, if I want to float out a trade here, I, I would I would call the Rams on this Bryce Perkins cat, man. He, he lit it up in the preseason. I know it was only preseason, but he's a mobile quarterback too, and the, uh, and the Cowboys have uh, obviously some deficiencies on that O-line. Cooper Rush, not the most athletic or mobile quarterback, and the Rams need picks, man. Uh, if you haven't noticed, they uh, salvaged their uh, season last year uh, by giving all, away all those picks and winning the Super Bowl. But they need to recoup some of those picks. So, uh, or or you could just tank and go after. I mean, fire McCarthy at the end of the year. Go after Sean Payton. That that should be the play uh, for the Cowboys and the Cowboys fans. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a little light at the end of the tunnel for you there, Chris. You're going to get Sean Payton. You're going to get maybe a new quarterback. You know, Jerry's going to be humbled after predicting that the Cowboys were going to be back this year and then saying that Dak's going to be back to four weeks when he's out for nine. It's all it's going to be fine. It doesn't matter. Jimmy, let me go to you. Your takeaway from NFL week one was, and I actually know what it is, but this is, yeah, we definitely got to talk about this. So a, a good kicker is worth their weight in gold, and that kind of goes into my heel of the week. It's the kickers. I believe we had seven kickers that missed game-winning field goals, some of them multiple. We had an extra point missed for a game winner. Uh, you know, say what you want about Robbie Gold for the San Francisco 49ers. Guess what? The kid doesn't miss. Uh, even Evan McPherson, who has ice in his veins, you still need a long snapper to snap the ball. Um, it was bad, and we're not the, the, those – Kickers, and one we cannot name that uh, plays for the Indianapolis Colts, played for the Indianapolis Colts, really cost so much heartache throughout the entire uh, entire day on Sunday. They certainly did. First off, I'm going to start with Robbie Gold has less hair on his head than old man Chris does, so he appreciates you saying the kid doesn't miss. I'm sure he loves that. I know he's definitely a listener of this podcast. And no, we're actually not going to not name the indie kicker, Jimmy. I'm going to go in on the indie kicker here. Rodrigo Blankenship. Sorry, bud. 
buy. This is a results business. Field goals are going to be missed. I'm furious that you missed a field goal. Shouldn't have missed a field goal. We should have won the game. You gave Frank Reich all the help he needed to blow that game again with his coaching decisions, but that might be a story for another time. But under no circumstances can you hit two kickoffs out of bounds and suffer those penalties. The last one, somehow the Texans blew it and didn't beat you in the game, but that's inexcusable. I have no problem with the Colts cutting Rodrigo Blankenship. Chris, your thoughts on the Colts kicker being cut? You know, like you can maybe get by letting him let him stay on the team if he just missed the one field goal. Yes, it was to win the game. Yes, that hurts. But you're a professional kicker. And kickoffs are the simplest form of that expertise. And to kick them out of bounds, not once but twice in the game, giving giving Houston great field position, it's just it's demoralizing is what what that is. And that coupled with the missed kick, you, you see why he got cut, but the Bengals kicker is still there. Demoralizing is definitely a good way to, to frame it. I think that's a that's a good way to look at it, right? You have this guy who's kind of off to the side, doesn't really participate in practice the same way that you do. You know what I mean? He just doesn't do the drills the same way you do, not built the same way, all of the above, and he just he has one job essentially. And so I just when he doesn't do it, I can just imagine all the and it just it'd be tough for me to keep Rodrigo Blankenship in the uh, locker room. You can call me heartless if you want, all those people out there who feel sad for the guy, but, you know, it's a results business. I'm sorry. Mr. Williams, speaking of results, we have some coaches that have a little bit of explaining to do. I know you have a couple of moves you want to uh, highlight here. Maybe cut your list in half because I know there was a bunch. Yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> where to start here? Jesus, I mean, uh, we can start with – Here's an under-the-radar one. The the Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, the Cardinals blitzed Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes on over half of his dropbacks, 54%. We said this last year. You, you cannot blitz Mahomes. He went 15 for 21 and 137 yards and a career-high four touchdowns against the blitz there. So, come on, dude. Do, do some research. You got to have a better game plan against Mahomes there. Um Mike Vrabel, what is he doing? Uh, he had to waste a time out there at the end of the game uh, to only to lose three yards to set up a, a chip shot, 47-yard field goal. Uh, uh, shout out to Mark Sanchez, the commentator there, who's saying, oh, yeah, this is just a chip shot here. Really? Chip shot is 47 yards, huh? Okay. Uh, Randy Bullock proceeded to uh, yank that to the left, and, and the Giants got the outright W there. I mean – where else? How about going back to? Well, wait uh, a minute. Real yeah, quick, yeah. Go ahead. Never, never believe the man who's responsible for the butt fumble. All yeah. right. So I'm not. You know, I mean, Mark Sanchez can tell me it's a chip shot all he wants. I saw him butt fumble. I'm not going to listen to a word he has to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then uh, going back to the reigning Super Bowl champ, Sean McVay. Uh, I thought he was terrible on Thursday night. He had a 89 percent run on first down rate. We've talked about these great teams here, Kansas City and Buffalo, how much they throw on first down. Kansas City led the league last year in not getting to third downs. They did it again this week, and we saw how awesome Buffalo was. They they continued to pass on first down. I was pleasantly surprised with Ken Dorsey's game plan. But Sean McVay, 89% run on first down? You think Bad you're stuff. You think you're protecting your quarterback when you're doing that. You're not. 
you're getting your quarterback in third and long on those situations. That's where they blitz or they should blitz uh, with most quarterbacks. But shout out for another defensive coach who had a good game plan, uh, and and that was the the Vikings defensive coordinator. Uh, I can't I can't remember his name right now, but <laughs> he did, he did not a good bl- job though. He did a good job. We did give <laughs> yeah. him an ice cream at the Dairy Queen. He did he, fine. He did not blitz Stafford at all last year. Stafford was the number one quarterback versus uh, the blitz last year. So I can't believe it's a brain fart. He's a former Bears uh, player too. I can't believe I'm, I'm I'm lacking on his name here, but uh, yeah, he did a great job there. So and Donatel, thank no, you, Jerry Jam. No, the Vikings. Uh, Frazier, Leslie Frazier. Uh, no. uh the Bills, the Bills defense coordinator. Sorry, yeah, Leslie Frazier. The Bills is Leslie yeah, yeah. Frazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting bogged down here. Yeah, yeah. Those are good coach. You, you, you just shouted out a good coaching decision. I thought we were in the bad coaching decision, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on from that. I'm gonna shout out my takeaway from the week. Mine's rather quick, but if Geno Smith never punches Ik Impali in the face on August 11th, 2015, and completely shattering his chances of winning the Jets locker room over and getting those guys behind him and having a decent start to his career. He and the Jets would actually be a good team right now, and the Jets would not be a laughingstock franchise, hoping that Zach Wilson can come back from injury and save them. Because I thought Geno Smith looked like an NFL quarterback. He was cool, calm, collected, shredded the Seahawks, shredded the Broncos up, excuse me, I know it's a home game. I know they had a, game, a whole lot of time to game plan for him. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I really just, it was nice to see that and say, you know what, maybe, maybe if this thing wouldn't have happened to that guy that we all forget about, right? Jim, did you even remember that Geno Smith punched that guy? I remember there was some trouble with him at the very beginning, uh, and that's why, that's why you know, obviously he fell in the draft and everything like that. But, yeah, sometimes it just takes, you know, a decade to get your feet. <laughs> I like what you said there. Chris, I want to go back to you because I think that your actual two other things that you know kind of come out of that Packers-Vikings game. And Williams was actually trying to talk about Leslie Frazier, but he mentioned the Vikings there. They had a heck of a game plan week one, and a takeaway could have been Packers get romped. But I guess the Packers got romped in game one last year, and it didn't much matter. But I know you had some thoughts about the Vikings. One player on the Vikings in particular. One thing that I know, Justin Jefferson – He's going to lead the NFL in receiving yards this year. He caught nine passes on 11 targets. You know what that tells me? That tells me the dude knows how to get open. He's getting separation from those DBs. He's finding the open spots in the zone. Cousins can see him clear as day and deliver the ball. That man is a playmaker. He is going to continue to get triple-digit receiving yards just about every game this year. Mr. Williams, I heard that he was not really ever double-teamed in that game. Do you think that that's a strategy other defensive coordinators will employ moving forward after this week one performance? Well, he wasn't shadowed by Jair Alexander, and that's what he was surprised about. But, yeah, we said this going in, man. Kevin O'Connell, he's going to get these guys in motion. He's going to have a lot of play action. The Vikings did that uh, like double what they did last year under Mike Zimmer, so – uh, I mean, these guys are going to be open, and uh, I like what Chris is saying because if Chris is right, then that's a good. Uh, I gave that out. Uh, Jefferson, offensive player of the year, at fourteen to one uh, before the season, so uh, I like that. Now, Chris, I know you had uh, one other thing that you know. Let's just—it's just so related to this game. Let's just stick with it here, and I believe it goes back to a a famous five-letter quote by their quarterback. Kind of relates to your the last thing you know. No, 
yeah, a little bit. One thing I know is you don't need to worry about the Packers. Not at least not until the playoffs. They have trouble there. But this is the Packers. They come out slow. Uh, it's what the third year in a row. I, they got blown out bad last year, and people were just all, "Is this the end of the Packers' reign and the NFC North?" And no, it's not. Yes, the Vikings look good. Yes, the Vikings are a much better team, probably the second best team in this conference or this division. But it's still the Packers' division. It's still Aaron Rodgers. People need to slow down and realize that this offense is not going to slow down that much, even without Devontae Adams. Because I completely agree with Chris. I think there's no reason for the Packers to worry. What do you think, Jimmy? Oh, there's no reason at all. It's Aaron Rodgers. He'll be fine. You know, he hits that, uh, I think what uh, Lazard dropped that ball um, the first play of the game. Not Lazard. Not Lazard. Lazard didn't play. Oh, no, no. um, Anyway, the rookie. He's a rookie. Christian Watson. Sorry. They drop that drop that ball. You know, it's a, it's a completely different game. So I think they're fine. I would tend to agree with you there. So, Jimmy, I know who you have for your face, and I really yeah. I'm just going to be honest with the people. I don't like what you're doing here, so we're going to save <laughs> that for a little bit later, and we'll see how much time we have to get to that. Mr. Williams, you have three picks for us all coming out of the AFC. Which game do you have the least to say about? Let's knock that one out real quick right now. Uh, I mean, I would I would say Houston and Denver. Uh, I'm gonna take Houston plus ten. I mo- mostly because of how terrible Nathaniel Hackett was on Monday night. Uh, there was not a team that I downgraded more than the Denver Broncos. I mean, they had over a hundred yards of penalties. Uh, their defense had major major holes in it. They gave up over uh, six and a half yards. Uh, per play in the first half to a bad Seattle team. Uh, they got torched. Whoa, whoa, take it easy on my guy, Gino. <laughs> they got torched by uh, Colby Parkinson, Will Disley, and Noah Fant. Those three tight ends combined Boom. for eight catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. And what did uh, the Texans do on, on Sunday? They had two touchdowns from their backup tight end, O.J. Howard, and they have another athletic tight end, street, Jordan. Off the street backup, yeah. O.J. Howard. Didn't even have a job a couple weeks ago, and he lit the Colts up. Way to go, Reich. Yeah. <laughs> Rashad Penny averaged over five yards per carry, and that was with two rookie offensive tackles. I think this is an underrated uh, Texans offensive line. Uh, and by the way, that was the first time a team had done that since 1970. Start two rookie offensive tackles, and you still lose the game uh, Denver. <laughs> I mean, going going up against those two rookie offense tackles. So I, I can't say how bad a job Nathaniel Hackett did on that last drive. Uh, it's a minute oh, 20 left. A Listen, minute I 20 wanted, left. I wanted to shout that yeah. out real quick, actually. when you He he listens to our podcast. I know he does. But oh, yeah. he was when you did bad coaching, he was sitting there saying, oh, phew. he was like wiping his brow that you didn't shout him out at the beginning of the podcast for bad coaching. Because I get Brandon McManus has a big leg. But come on, the only thing is, I don't care if you kick the field goal or not, why did we just let 20 seconds go off the clock for no reason? That's my biggest gripe. I mean, 20 seconds, they, they let 39 seconds go off the clock, and then they and then they waste a timeout on fourth and five, and then you bring out a kicker who kickers on uh, kicks from 64 yards or longer since 2000, two of 29. Oh yeah, so, no, it was it was not the greatest decision in the world, but McManus does have a big leg because even some of those fifty-seven yarders, it doesn't even look like oh, he's giving it any effort. 
Dude, that's a, it was a terrible decision. Of you course got, you, it was. You I'm got not to trying cor- to back up Hackett. I don't give a crap about that guy. <laughs> Russell Wilson's weird. I don't care about the Broncos. What I want to say is I think, though, you're not giving enough credit to the Texans here. And, Jimmy, I was interested to come to you on this. I, we're taking a quick lovey tangent here because you have a lot of experience with him. And, Williams, I know you do, too, so you can chime in here on what Jimmy, Jimmy doesn't hit. Lovey takes a lot of guff. But I believe the man is a good football coach. I believe the man brings about order. I believe the man garners a general level of respect. And I think that that goes a long way with a team like the Texans that have a lot of young guys and a lot of guys that are trying to reacclimate themselves to the NFL and get another shot. I think Lovey's actually the perfect coach for this team. Am I crazy? No, you're correct because you've got to remember the Texans for the last year had to deal with the Deshaun Watson situation. They've also had to deal with the chaplain being the general manager and a lot of weird things going on. Their owner also has a lot of kind of strange uh, little things that he does, little quirks. So bringing in somebody with the demeanor of a Lovey Smith, quiet, reserved, can talk to you and not yell and scream. It's completely different from what they had in Bill O'Brien. You know, last year was kind of a weird year all over the place so we'll just kind of throw that out but um i think it's perfect for what he does he's a good football coach he wouldn't still be coaching if he wasn't and sometimes wins and losses there's a lot to there's a lot that goes into it lovey smith never had a quarterback well debatable in the with the bears rex is like hold my beer yeah exactly so i mean i think that i think he was the perfect coach williams what do you think uh, I mean, he's the perfect culture coach maybe, but like he's not the greatest with analytics. So he's not as high up on my list. As, oh, you as analytics you snob. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how did analytics quarter. work out for your boy Shanahan against your favorite team? Well, I mean, Lovey Smith fourth. Quarter, Let's go fourth quarter the on the Colts. 36 on fourth and three up by 17 what do you do there do you kick a 53 yard field goal or do you go for it how about neither he took a delay a game and he punted <laughs> so and bless him for uh, it bless him for it so i didn't at least have to say my colts lost week one but here's the thing williams you're absolutely right what, lovey smith is not the coach that's like going to take a good team to that next level and win the super bowl but for where houston's at right now i think he's a great decision to have around there i think you would hope that there's a few people in the building that are making sort of the analytics based decisions and i'm with you i love getting 10 out of this frisky texans team Let's save Dolphins-Ravens for last because I think that's kind of the marquee game of the afternoon. What do you have about the crap fest that is the New England Patriots? And I am taking a huge amount of glee in being able to say that right now. Yeah, and by the way, one one more quick note on the Denver-Houston uh, or the, the Denver-Seattle game. If Denver throws the ball there on fourth and five, they have a 36% chance to win the game. If they attempt the field goal, it was 7.4%. Those numbers are from football outsiders. So, yeah. Go ahead and go for it on fourth and five there, Hackett. But, yeah, uh, New England-Pittsburgh, this is the fishiest line of the week. Nobody knows why New England's uh, favored by two points, and so for that reason, I'm taking them. I'm taking the, the oh, New England Patriots. Minute, wait a minute. You're taking this Patriots team? <laughs> I, I take... haven't pushed back against you at all, and you're 3-0, and so I'm crazy for doing this, but I thought New England looked terrible. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why nobody, <laughs> nobody has taken them. There's over 80% of the money is on Pittsburgh here, but the there's a reverse line movement. The line keeps on going in favor of New England. So that tells me that sharp money is on the Patriots here. And I get it. Tomlin has has that incredible against the spread record as a dog, but most of those were coming off a loss. 
not an emotional game-winning overtime uh, field goal to win the game against your divisional opponent. So uh, I like I like New England here. It doesn't make any sense, right? So why not? Let's take New England minus two against the Steelers. Uh, I don't think the Steelers can generate five turnovers like they did against the Cincinnati either. Even though I have the Steelers fantasy defense, I, even I know that that's uh, probably not going to happen again. So essentially what you're saying here is you don't like Tomlin because he immediately is out of the Tomlin rah-rah spot already in week two, and you don't like that for the Steelers. And now I guess I sort of agree with you, but I don't want to be on the side of whatever nonsense the Patriots have going on. And Jimmy, is Mac Jones even going to play this week? Do we see any information on that yet? Uh, it's still you – you never get anything from uh, from Bill Belichick. That's true. I can't believe I bothered even asking so, you. That's I mean, I think Tom Brady is still on there uh, on there. Uh, injury list so we'll see but he did practice uh he did practice on wednesday this week so i think he's gonna play but you know i think he'll he'll play he was full practice on wednesday all right williams you got one more nugget for us on that before we go to the Finns ravens yeah he yeah he's cleared to play uh the steelers converted a first down on just 52 percent of its series on sunday the league average is at 71 percent that's a full three percent worse than the next worst offense which was the cowboys <laughs> so uh, the Steelers had 11 drives in regulation. Only one drive gained more than 32 yards. So they had incredible favorable field position, uh, turnover luck. You know, I just think uh, uh, I'm selling the Pittsburgh offense hard in week two uh, against wow. the New England defense that uh, held a much we more talented. We were going to make Tomlin rah-rah spot t-shirts. We I know. We were all in on Pittsburgh. You, man, you have just killed the buzz on the Pittsburgh <laughs> fan bus already here in week two, Mr. Williams. Goodness. It doesn't Don't make any sense. Don't you want to have any fun? Can't we have yeah. any fun things on this podcast without your numbers and reason? <laughs> Let's try to go 6-0. and Let's how about That's fun, right? All right. That, you're right. That is fun. That is fun. All right. Let's go. Jimmy, would you say the Finns – Ravens is the marquee game of the afternoon. Sunday, that is. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, Sunday, yes, I like that game a lot because you know Tua his stats looked okay uh, in person. It wasn't the best, so we still need to see a little bit more from him. Uh, but I think that the Ravens are here to kind of put a statement down. Lamar wants to continue to build this team. I, I actually think the Ravens are going to do uh, pretty, pretty, pretty well in this game. Really? Okay, let's yep. go to the handicapper here because I might be on the other side of you. Let's hear what Williams has to say. Yeah, I'm taking the Dolphins plus three and a half Heck here. Heck yeah, let's go. Ride fins. Now I'm back with you, Williams. <laughs> so I know the Ravens won this game by over two touchdowns against the Jets, but if you dive into the box score here, Baltimore only had 13 first downs the whole game, and the Jets actually had 116 more total yards than the Ravens. Baltimore still banged up on the O-line. They tried four different rushers on Sunday. None of them got to even 35 yards. And they had they had to have two somewhat fluky touchdowns by the diminutive Devin Duvernay, uh, one of their, you know. Which totally sounds like an Agatha Christie character. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he had uh, over two touchdowns all year last year. And uh, now you get Xavier Howard matched up against Rashad Bateman. You get this underrated Dolphins defense. There will be a lot more speed on the field for Miami on offense that Baltimore didn't have to deal with uh, against the Jets. And I love getting the hook here. Like I think this line should be three or lower. If you're getting three and a half here, 
I just I just love this. And and two of the sharpest books out in Vegas, Circa and Pinnacle, they have this line down to three. Everywhere else, you can get three and a half. I love getting the hook here. The Dolphins. Do you think are Miami's going to win outright though, I, or do you I, just like the points? I think I think there's a very good chance Miami wins outright. And when I'm when I'm looking at dogs to take that, I mean that's what you want to try and take. If 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 you're if you think you're the dog can win, you might as well take them. And, and getting that hook there three and a half, I love that. That's good. I mean, I know I'm all in on the Ravens, and I still think the Ravens can right themselves. But I think the Ravens' path is through just beating up their division and just you know hanging around and getting right by the playoffs. I think the Finns need to start out hot. I think they need to have things fall in line for them so they can prove to everybody that they're they're wild off the uh, beaten path. Head coach uh, Mike McDaniel there is like, hey, look, this guy's onto something. He's the mad genius, right? Because even Mark Tressman looked like a genius for one year in Chicago, and then it completely went off the rails, right? So give me the fins here early. I love that, Mr. Williams. That's the marquee game of Sunday. It is not, however, going to be my Tom Cruise game of the week. Last week, I gave you... Carolina v. Browns as the Tom Cruise game of the week. I have to grade that game. We're going to call that day after tomorrow, all right? Not one of Tom Cruise's Mount Rushmore movies. Probably not going to be one of the first ones written in his Hall of Fame plaque if there was a Hall of Fame plaque for actors, but a solid movie. What else happens in Edge of Tomorrow, the sci-fi joint with Emily Blunt? Tom Cruise gets killed and rebooted over and over again. Well, the Browns were dead, and they came back and won. Carolina was left for dead and came back and looked like they were going to win. So I think my Tom Cruise game of the week last week, Carolina Browns, was the Tom Cruise movie day after tomorrow. My pick for this week is the Thursday night game. I'm not going to get any other chance to do that. We're actually recording this on Wednesday. The definitive game of the week this week is Chiefs Chargers, and I think that's going to be a slam bang fest people getting up and down the field scoring a bunch of points and because i just said that and because it's thursday night it will probably be an absolute slog jimmy what do you think uh well yes and and you went back and forth a few times it's edge of tomorrow with tom cruise and emily blunt day after tomorrow you're right you're right of course your dennis quaid uh correct edge of tomorrow apocalyptic Uh, (laughs) but yeah i think that's gonna be uh i got a little too wrapped up in my whole rant there and i just lost the tom cruise thread and that's not on brand for me and thank you for calling me out jimmy you're excited. You're you're very uh, you're very welcome for that. Yeah, great call last week. Great call this week too. Uh, Chris, or excuse me, Williams. What do you think? Are are we going to get uh, what what movie are we going to get this week from Rod? Oh man, that's that's tough telling. I think this is going to be an awesome game. Yeah. So one of uh, one of Cruz's best. For, I I don't know what uh, Rod has is like his top five cruise movies, and but I'm sure I'm sure along the season we will find that out. But yeah, you get your popcorn ready here. I mean. Rod picked the perfect game, Mahomes versus Herbert, prime time. I mean, uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs led week one with pre-snap shift motion. You know that gets my it gets my gears going. So sure does. <laughs> love the Chiefs, love the Chargers, love both these teams, and uh, let's go. Let's get some fireworks going on Thursday night. I like that you said gears going because right now, if you force me to predict what movie it might be, if we're going to see a bunch of cars racing up and down the field, we could be treated to a little Days of Thunder, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we have one more thing that we like to do on this podcast, but unfortunately, we are running out of time. So, Jimmy, we're not going to have an awful lot of time to talk about your face of the week, but you can at least let us know who it was. My face of the week is on pace to throw for 5,000 yards, 68 touchdowns, and 34 interceptions. My face of the week, oh, Commander fans, you're in trouble. It's Carson Wentz, the face of the week. He took the, the, the Commanders down, got the big win. 
just be ready. That's all we have to say. I just, I mean, uh, I I can't believe you're doing this to me, Jimmy, because I'm all <laughs> I'm all decked out in teal, ready to ride the Jaguars train this year. And what happens? But my arch nemesis Carson Wentz, <laughs> who completely derailed my Colts season last year, who I love the stories that it has surfaced. By the way, that Ursay went into the locker room immediately <laughs> following the game and told both Ballard and Reich that under no circumstances will I pay that man to be my quarterback ever again. Ursay, you are legendary forever in my book, and Wentz thwarted me again. I'm going to turn into an evil supervillain at this point, Jimmy, if this guy keeps doing this to me. Don't worry. He he did it this week. He'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll have plenty of time to gloat. I'm sure he'll be a, he'll be a heel uh, on this um, You know, pretty soon, I would think. Mr. Williams, were you sitting back laughing, though, when you saw that the commanders were rolling up and down the field with my guy Carson Wentz? I know you were. No, man, I was. <laughs> I, I picked five games against the spread in a different contest, and that's the only game I lost. Uh, I had the Jags plus three in that game. They're up by eight in the fourth quarter, and then Carson Wentz acts like he's Dan Marino and just starts slinging the ball all over the place. I'm like, what in the world's going on here? Where was this last year? So that was frustrating. And, uh, yeah, he's got some weapons, though, this year, man. He's got – Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson on the backfield. Logan Thomas is still healthy, so uh, nah, we'll see. I, I don't I don't think it's going to continue, but, man, he looked good in week one. I couldn't believe it. One other thing I think I should mention here real quick on the way out, our dozen faithful listeners at this point will probably make notice of the fact that Williams' second love, the San Francisco 49ers, were upended by his first love, the Chicago Bears, who we all thought maybe could go 0 and 16. So we did spend a lot of time on that because we decided, you know, we were just going to talk about football that actually matters because that monsoon game and that terrible field doesn't really denote much of anything for either team the rest of the year, does it, Jimmy? How dare you? That was amazing. That was a fantastic uh, performance, uh, and a real. And you know the field. It's weird. There was no mud. It was just all water. Uh, yeah, you can't really take anything except for Mike Marks. Mike Marks. Mike, Mike, Mike Marks can take everything away from that game, saying that both the quarterbacks are worthless. Uh, but other than that, you really can't take much away. Good win for the Bears. That's a game that the Bears always lose. So that's at least something good, right, Williams? Yeah, that was a fun game, man. That was a fun game. And and the reason why I didn't talk about San Fran in week one was because if, if the if the Bears are gonna feel I don't think the Bears are gonna feel any better about themselves all year than after going three and in the preseason and you had a young quarterback who could have been rusty and Trey Lance, he's only thrown like three hundred passes in the last three years. And so and Matt Eberflus had that good defense with the Colts last year. He had a good game plan against San Fran last year. I know it wasn't against Lance, but he was going to make those guys, uh, he was going to make Lance beat him methodically down the field playing that deep sh- shell to cover D. And I didn't. we've never seen Lance do that. So, no, I did not think the Bears were going to win, but I thought the Bears were going to keep it close. So, uh, shout out to the Bears. That might be the highlight of the year. Ugh, Packers, Sunday Night Football, I, I don't have a good feeling about that. But, hey, we're 1-0. And I, uh, I guess I'm being uh, fact-checked here by our wonderful producer, Jimmy Jamriska. Apparently, I was overestimating when I said dozen. So half dozen of you, I say with a question mark at the end of my voice. But there we go. We're through week number two. Our picks are uh, fun bits for you. Uh, we love doing this show. We hope that those of you out there that are listening love listening to this show. Maybe tell a couple of your friends about it so the next time I say dozen fans of the Morgan, you know I won't be lying to you. But we will be back next week to do it all 
over again in the mountains of North Carolina. I'm not sure Chris is actually in the mountains of North Carolina, but we did lose him for one reason or another, but he got all three of his things out that he knows earlier at the podcast. So, uh, Jimmy, I'm going to go to you for the last word because you're going to have to edit this mess together. Because it's week one, 16 teams lose, 16 teams win. Goodbye, Internet.